Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is, I'm Peter Whittle. Now I'm delighted that my guest this week is one of the rising stars of the Commentariat. Samantha Smith has written for The Spectator, for The Telegraph and for The Mail. You might have seen her commentating on GB News 2, all that, and she is still a student. Um, welcome very much, uh, Sam, it's good to, to meet you. Um, thanks for coming. You've come from Durham, haven't you, today? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> All the way up from, from the northeast. <laughs> so you're actually, you're actually back, are you, in the classroom, as it were, or in the lecture hall? Because, you know, it's been a bit of a rough experience over the past couple of years, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It's, um, it's finally back to in-person teaching. Durham took a lot longer than some other institutions yeah. to finally get round to, to letting us back in the lecture theatres. But we're back to full capacity, no masks, no... Covid testing regulations. You know, back last year we had to test every forty-eight hours to be able to leave our rooms practically. Yes. So, so it's it's nice to have our freedoms returned to us. It's interesting, isn't it? How I've just noticed over the past, quite literally the past week, um, there seems to be a growing uh, awareness or a growing admission in the media of the extent of the effects of that lockdown. Mm. I mean, were you pro lockdown or anti? Uh, I'm, I'm a classic libertarian. I think that anything that impedes on, on, individual pers on individuals' personal liberties and freedoms yeah. is, is negative at its mm -hmm. core. I was never a supporter of, of the big, massive statewide lockdowns, the, the sweeping regulations that were, that were kept in place for far longer than necessary. I, I believe that, especially for young people, speaking, speaking from experience, I spent my 18th birthday alone crying on the phone to Childline because I, I had no one and, and nothing to and nothing to keep me company. I spent my 19th birthday in, in under strict lockdown regulations once again. Christmases, birthdays, graduations, proms all uh, flew by through the pane of a closed window. And, mm. and I think that the impact on young people is only just beginning to be realized, especially yeah. when it comes to education outcomes, mm. the, the gap in attainment between the most the most fortunate and, and least when it comes to class devising yeah. working class students from backgrounds not too dissimilar to my own versus those in, yes. in the upper echelons of society that attainment gap has just uh, grown into a into a, a seismic chasm over over lockdown apparently um is even a report that there are some you're talking about young kids now mm -hmm. who can't actually form words mm -hmm. even yep. uh, children children are going to school in yeah. in nappies age five they are unable to hold a spoon they can't string together coherent sentences mm. many there are videos of three and four year olds who aren't used to wearing shoes so, so they don't know how to walk with with regular school shoes on mm. their children's development especially in those vital early years has been completely decimated yeah. by by spending two years stuck inside with nothing but the faint glow of, of a computer screen to keep yeah. you company. And it also, as you say, quite rightly, you know, these kind of class differences mm. will be really uh, exaggerated simply because, you know, there are some houses that have, you know, got shelves and shelves of books mm. around and all this, others don't, it's not the parents' fault necessarily. Yeah. Um, just take you back a bit actually, so I first heard about you when uh, this was Ooh, about a year or so ago mm -hmm. um, and uh, you're from Telford aren't you? Originally? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Shropshire. Yes, in Shropshire. And um, basically I, I was struck by how brave you were in talking about your experiences 
growing up there in relation to grooming gangs. Um, I know that you have spoken about this before, but um, if you don't mind, because a lot of our viewers won't have seen it, um, you actually you sort of waived anonymity to actually talk about it, um, which was quite something, really. Why, why did you do that? I think that for too long the conversation has been dominated by those that have no experience mm. of, of child sexual abuse or exploitation. I'm not uh, a victim of the specific type of child exploitation that was that is often talked about in the media, so Pakistani Muslim grooming gangs. I was a victim of grooming. I was I was groomed and, and abused by successive men from the age of 5, 14. Some were white, some were ethnic minority. Um, but I think that my my decision to waive anonymity when it comes to, to my experiences and the, and the sexual abuse that I suffered was driven purely by the need for more survivors' voices to be heard yes. and for more survivors to be represented because it's very difficult to have an open and frank and productive conversation about something as harrowing and as, mm. as, as life-changing as sexual abuse without including those mm. that... that that were victim to it in the conversation. But, I mean, it, it, one of the, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about this on this program, and it always comes down to this kind of sense of a cover-up, uh, this sense of somehow not being able to talk about the elephant in the room, whatever that is. Usually it is along racial lines, mm -hmm. it, that it's about Muslim men or whatever. Uh, your, your, your case is slightly different, you're saying, to that. It was so, I, my experience in Telford is, it almost mirrors that of the 1,000 plus other girls that were that fought, fell victims to grooming, grooming gangs, yeah. uh, pre predominantly Pakistani Muslim uh, grooming gangs. It was uh, a culture of silence, victim blaming and shame. It was perpetuated over a course of over 30 years. Girls were branded Paki slags. They were branded child prostitutes. They were, they were, they were called Paki shaggers, white slags. They were told that the abuse that they suffered was entirely their fault and that they somehow wanted it, they provoked it, that they had consented to it, that when they came forward, they they would be met with with shame and, and villainization and they would somehow be made to feel as though their story didn't matter, the, mm. the life-changing pain and suffering that they had experienced was was somehow less worthy of, of attention and, and believing than the the predators and the paedophiles that abuse them. And who would be saying that? You know, who would actually be belittling your experience? You know, who, who are we talking about? In my experience, it was police, mm. social services, local councils, those at the very top of, of, of institutions mm. In, mm. in local authority. So I, I remember being told by a social worker once, if you were physically abused, why were there no bruises? And that mm. comment stuck with me for, well, until today. It's told me that there was no point in coming forward because I wouldn't be yeah. believed if I if I did stick my head above the parapet and try and seek support from those that were meant to protect me. Police, uh, it was it was exposed in the Telford CSE report, which I'm sure you'll have you'll mm, have read. Yeah. It was exposed that police failed in their quote unquote most basic duty in protecting children and mm. investigating allegations of of child sexual exploitation because of nervousness about race aka they were too scared to be branded racist for mm. going after Pakistani Muslim men, despite the fact that these are the, this is the, pro, the predominant demographic that is mm. committing this type of crime. Mm. 
what are we talking about really here, uh, Sam? I mean, what happened to you? So I was abused from the age of five. That right. was when my abuse started and it carried on for nearly a decade. I was groomed, I was sexually abused, I was molested. Um, it took many different forms and there were multiple perpetrators involved. Some of it was online, some of it was in person. I, uh, I, f I spent many, many years wondering whether this was normal mm. because to, to a small child, to a five-year-old, mm. the hand on your thigh or the little secrets or the, uh, the, the inappropriate hand in your underwear was nothing, was nothing out of the ordinary. Mm. You have no other frame of reference for what mm. is and what isn't appropriate conduct between a child and an adult. Mm. And so for me, growing up, I, I had a warped sense of, of sexual identity and, and intimacy and my relationships with men because I had no way of knowing that abuse wasn't normal. Mm. Mm. And I think that that's, that's a story that's shared by, by many other survivors, the fact that grooming, a big part of it is controlling and convincing victims that they mm. somehow wanted it or that mm. they are to blame for the abuse that they suffered. Mm. And it, it's only furthered when police, social services, local councils, schools, sexual health clinics, GPs, when all of these services that, that children are meant to turn to in yeah. times of hardship also double down and say, no, you are to blame. You did this to yourself. This was your fault. Your actions led you to where you are today. Is it sort of, uh, it seems to me that it's, um, you know, I think you've, you've alluded to it by the names that, you, that people were called then and you were called. Um, there's a sort of class element to it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Somehow the white working class girls, is it from, are you from a working class family? I mean, are you? Well, my mother was a first generation immigrant. My father was adopted. He died when I was five. Yes. Um, and so I, I grew up in a very impoverished area yeah. of Telford. My mother, I don't really talk about my family too much right. in, in public because I, 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 I want to respect their yeah. right to, to a private life. I, I don't want to drag them into it yeah. unnecessarily. Okay. But I come from about as working class uh, an area and, and background as, as one can come. But I was simply very fortunate to attend mm -hmm. a good school to have amazing teachers and support systems yeah. in place while all of these horrible things were, were going yeah, on in the yeah, background. Yeah. And so I, one of the things that I often get asked is, you don't look like a victim of, of sexual exploitation or abuse. You don't look, sound like a victim of sexual exploitation or abuse. You don't present yourself in a way that is, that is typical of, of a victim or survivor. So did this really happen to you? How, how, how have you gotten to the point where you are today? Yeah. And all I can say is that we all carry our suffering and mm. our experiences in a different way. The way that I chose to deal with it is, is well, when I was younger, I had a, a great deal of anger and shame and guilt and, and trauma related to it. I still, I still can't trust, trust men. I still have, have trouble going to sleep at night. I wake up in, 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 in anxious fits because I, I fear someone sneaking into my room in the middle mm. of the night mm. and taking mm. advantage of me. But while some, some people, some survivors, unfortunately, are, are, are impacted in a way when it comes to you know, substance abuse or, mm. or crime, and this is a big part of why girls, why, why, why victims of CSE, CSA, have been ignored for so long is because 
police, social services, local authorities, they view them as criminals themselves. Mm. They mm. view the the expression of their trauma. So it's perfectly understandable for girls that have been abused, that have been subjected to some of the most horrific mm. abuse that any individual could ever go through. For them to to quote unquote fall by the wayside or to have negative experiences later on in life. I mean, I I, I experienced it as well. I was branded. I was told that I had anger issues. My my social worker said that I was a risk to to other people. When if you look at me today, I would say that I was just a traumatized child that was having difficulty but what processing they pain that I on? suffered. It's calling you a risk. What? Oh, if uh, so. This is this is what I mean when I say that. The threshold for believing and supporting victims is far lower than the threshold mm -hmm. for believing and supporting perpetrators. If uh, if a victim, if a girl shows anger or upset or cries or or acts out in any way, they're branded hysterical or mm -hmm. troublemakers or that sort of girl. I was I was mm -hmm. I was told that I was a troublemaker more times than I can count. And right. looking back on it, if I were in the position that my social worker was in back then, I would look at look at the child that I was and say, "This is a girl that were, that suffered incredible abuse, that that was subjected to uh, to hardships that that many people can only imagine." And of course, a child that's been abused, a child that's that's been subjected to horrific abuse, is going to mm. to act out, is going to struggle, isn't going to have cookie cutter picture perfect presentation and so i think that the this stereotyping of girls as troublemakers white slags packy shaggers it all contributes to the culture of victim blaming and suggesting that girls are somehow oh, yes. uh, bringing it on themselves mm -hmm. and if you don't fit that presentation like like many people mm -hmm. think that i don't that you must be an actor or making it up or mm -hmm. you're you know, betraying your roots or you're somehow misrepresenting your story. It's it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't sort of situation where I've often felt like maybe it would have been better if I didn't speak up because the abuse that I, that I experienced from from nameless and faceless trolls online has has rivaled some of some of the some of the abuse that I suffered in my younger years. Do you still get that now? Oh, absolutely. As as, as as recently as yesterday, I was looking through my Twitter comments and seeing people saying that I deserved it, that I was ripe for the picking, that um, that they that they hoped that it happened again. I've I've seen just about anything uh, that could be thrown thrown my way, all for speaking out about mm. child sexual exploitation mm. and abuse. And I think that that really highlights the core of this problem, mm. which is that victims are continuously villainized, shamed put down and 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 hounded for having the temerity or the gall to speak out about their experiences and the the failings of the institutions that were supposed to protect them so now so coming right up to date uh you were on gb news quite recently talking about this particular issue and then i understand that you had a visit from the police the following day yes I received a, a knock on my door from two detectives from the West Mercia Police Child Sexual Exploitation Team who basically said to me, when you go on GB News and talk about child grooming gangs in Telford, it's our duty to follow up with you. A I, duty? Exactly. I, I, I didn't know that it was their, their divine duty, that it was their responsibility to go and bang on the door of a, of a survivor of 
child grooming yeah. and and essentially try and threaten them into silence. That's that's how I came away feeling. They what was their mat? Were they aggressive with you? Or absolutely. What? I mean, the way they banged on the door. Yeah. I had been on FaceTime to a friend at the time, and when I called them back afterwards, they said to me, "I thought you were about to get arrested," right. based on the way yeah. that they yeah. that they interrogated you in the beginning. I asked them in no other terms. I said, "Why are you here? What are you?" What's, your, what's the basis of your visit? They asked to come inside. I said no, because yeah. frankly, two two detectives showing up unannounced on my doorstep, they have no right to to barge into my into my Absolutely. place of living yeah. and and act as though they they have any right to question me. I I asked them why they were there. They they said it's our duty to follow up with you when you talk about child grooming gangs in Telford, which was very 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 vague. They seemed to have no real understanding of why they were there besides the fact yeah, that I had exposed yeah. them on national TV. And yeah. what I found ironic above all was that when I approached West Mercia police, when I went to them with the abuse that I suffered, when I tried to seek help and support and get justice against my perpetrators, they did nothing. But as soon as I go on national TV and expose their institutional failings, they are running around like headless chickens trying to find me. And they, they actually told me when they knocked on my door that they had been around every other address that, that I had previously lived at in the past 10 years of, of having, of having my, uh, my address on file. They went to every single house just to see if I was there. They had my phone number. They had my email address. They had my case file. They had read up on me as they so graciously informed me. So they could have dropped a, a call or an email if they had any legitimate grounds to, to be seeking my help or the, my there my, are no grounds my guidance exactly you know? I the, mean, the way that it came across to me was that they felt threatened by mm. by the spotlight that had been shone on Telford mm. and they wanted to shut me up as quickly as possible do you do you um do you have do you still you don't live in Telford now do you or is that where your home still is or or, or? No, so I, um, because I was homeless before I before I came to, well, before I went to university, I was sofa surfing from the age of 16. Prior to that, I had been under social services. I am now based in Durham during the term time, and when, right. when I'm not at school, when I'm not at university, I just float about aimlessly, mm. staying with, with friends and, and, and working, making ends meet. <laughs> It's very, very tough. I mean, when you, uh, now, now that you, you've been in Durham, you, I think you had a gap year, did you not, or something? Yes, you had a gap year. yes, I did. But uh, you're now in Durham, a bit of a different world. It what is. was that like? It is. It's, it's a very big culture shock, I'd say, because although Durham is in the northeast, I'd say that the city of Durham, Durham University, could not be further apart from the rest of County Durham. Yes. It is... Uh, there's a reason why it's called the Surrey of the North, and I... I is it really? It is, it is. <laughs> that, that's our reputation, the Surrey of the yeah. North. And it was actually founded to rival Oxford and Cambridge initially. It was right. the third yes. it was the third oldest university in the UK, and it was it was literally built to be the Oxford of the North, I suppose. Um, the experience at Durham is very interesting because in many ways I I feel like an outsider. I feel like the only person that's like me, the only person that's been through what I've been through. But in other ways, it's cathartic and exhilarating and very freeing because I, I'm able to just be myself. Yeah. I'm not weighed down by 
the experiences of my past, by the trauma and the abuse that I suffered, I'm able to focus on my future rather than, uh, than be surrounded by constant reminders of my past and the, the people and institutions that failed me and failed thousands of other little girls in Telford. Does that actually make you feel vengeful in any way? I wouldn't say vengeful, I'd say determined. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mentioned it to you before, but the main reason that I waived my anonymity initially and the reason mm -hmm. that I have written for different publications, the reason that I continuously mm -hmm. rip open mm -hmm. uh, a very fresh wound is because if I don't do it, then other people might not, mm -hmm. then survivors' voices might not be heard. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm only one of thousands of girls that have experienced this this type of type of abuse but I like to think that if there's even one little girl out there that's going through what I was going through 10 years ago if they can see that you can get through mm. it that you can survive mm. and that it will get better mm. and that you can be a voice and a vehicle for change mm. then I'll, it's, it'll all be worth it. Well, it will. It's in completely worth it, of course. It's just that, nevertheless, it is some. It is sometimes, for me anyway, and I know for many people probably watching, um, a source of just sheer exasperation. When you look at the scale of this mm -hmm. problem, it strikes. I think, strikes me as being the biggest scandal in British society mm -hmm. for half a century, actually. And yet, it is still going on, isn't it? Yes. It's still going on. Little, little girls are still being groomed, raped, exploited, abused, and even murdered in towns and cities across the country. And those in power continue to turn a blind eye. Mm. So long as we as a society are too scared to call out the perpetrators for what they are, to call them racist, rapists, paedophiles, and predators, yeah. to bring them to justice and to finally stand up for victims rather than protect predators, mm little girls are, are going to continue being raped. Now, you have spoken about it, you've written about it, and obviously you write about many other things now as well. But when you look at the political scene, um, we're here in, in Westminster, you know, you do GB News, all this. when you look at the political scene, do you have any faith in any of the politicians or people in those sorts of positions of power to do anything about this because frankly if you had none I could quite understand it. <laughs> I, I suppose I'm an optimist in the fact that I think that things can only get better. Yeah. If you look at 10 years ago when, when I was still being abused the the thought that a little girl from Telford who had, who had been molested and, and raped for, for 10 years would one day be contributing to the conversation on child sexual exploitation and abuse it would be unfathomable. Mm -hmm. So progress is slow, it's too slow, it needs to be faster, but progress is being made. And I think that the, the, the biggest step forward that can be taken is for politicians, police forces, social services, local councils to finally accept responsibility for their failings, for the institutional and systemic and decades long mm -hmm. failings that, that they oversaw and that led to thousands upon thousands of little girls being abused. I think that so long as we continue to try and brush it under the carpet, to whitewash it, to sanitize it, mm. and to make it 
safe for public consumption. Mm. We are doing a disservice to victims and survivors everywhere, and we are continuing to contribute to the cycle of abuse that has no, no. gone on for far too long in this country. Yes, no, I, it is. Uh, it is just it's simply beyond appalling, actually. Mm. Um, you're Durham, and and so I wanted to ask you something. We've discussed a lot on this show as well. Um, you're in the pretty much in the the eye of the storm when mm. it comes to kind of free speech and everything. Are you, <laughs> is, are you finding that? I mean, you know, in fact, wasn't Durham, Durham was actually, wasn't the university that caused a bit of a storm by by talking about sex work, wasn't it? Durham is at the epicentre of, of the yeah. culture wars, it seems, especially last year. I did a piece on, on the uh, sex worker training courses that the Durham Student Union was offering. Uh, they also had a, a controversy surrounding Rod Liddle, and, and his oh, yes, appearance yes. At, at South yes. College, there there have been issues around the commission the commissioning of a, of a report by the student union that essentially uh, called Durham students racist, privileged, white, private class, uh, private school yeah. boys. It, the Durham is a bastion of, of academic excellence, but is letting itself become muddied by culture wars and and political ideologies and and identity politics and and left-wing propaganda i i had a uk constitutional law lecture earlier this year where the lecturer said this is the bit the daily mail warned you about left-wing lecturers indoctrinating you <laughs> and, yeah. and that, that sums up i'd say yes. the experience of higher education at the moment so i I'm very much looking forward to the to the freedom of speech and higher education bill being passed because mm. to be a a right wing student in in academia now it isn't it isn't your peers it isn't fellow students that that other you and single you out it's the academic institutions themselves those yes, are the very yes. top of 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 university the life authorities exactly. the actual authorities exactly yes, yes, so yes. most students just want to get on with their life get drunk a couple of nights yeah. a week, get a good degree and, and have a good future, get a good career. It's, it's academia itself that seems intent on, on ripping the, the foundations of their institutions apart from the inside out. The, the idea that, that statues, books, classic, classic texts, that, that every area of our curriculum is now under scrutiny for potential mm. links to what colonialism, classism, xenophobia, racism, decolonizing the curriculum, mm -hmm. all of this critical race theory that is being normalized and peddled as, as a legitimate academic, academic instrument. It, it is frankly destroying the reputation of, of British higher education on the global stage. Couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. Are you, are you sort of getting a bit of a profile for yourself there? Or I mean, you know, are you involved politically there or in the union or anything? I was involved in, in the Durham Union Society last year. I'm not involved this year. I, I avoid student politics like the plague, just because right, yeah. for terrible, me personally. Terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> just for, for me personally, there's, yeah. there's far more arguing and far less productivity in, in student politics societies. I'd, I'd rather stick to the, to the issues that I care about and, and try and impact change on, on education, social mobility, child sexual exploitation and abuse than to 
worry about whether the the student union should be putting pronouns in everyone's bios or not. It's it's really, frankly, it's 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 infantilizing the quality of debate in in public life and in higher education to be frittering over gender neutral bathrooms and and pronouns in in bios and, and the idea that that a statue is somehow is somehow responsible for 150 years of colonialism. It's it's beneath it's beneath higher education, and we shouldn't even be wasting our time and our breath speaking about it. And yet, here we are. It, it seems to be at the forefront of a political debate nowadays. All yes. these ridiculous notions that uh, that 50 years ago we would ne never have thought about and shouldn't think about. Well, um, without wishing to be remotely condescending, uh, it's really good to hear younger people saying that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, and uh, and actually doing something about it too. Um, Thank you very much, Sam, actually, for that. Um, we have got a couple of questions um, for you for our exclusive members. Um, so if you could just hang on, but um, for the time being, uh, that's it for this week. Um, and we shall see you next week on So What You're Saying Is. Thank you. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.